Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 115, and I am your co-host, Nigel. I am Tazzy, content creator and co-host. And as always, we are bringing you interesting discussions with diverse voices, and to help us out with our bullet train chat is writer and photographer, Mark All Chung. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. I mean, I'm being excited. The, the the train has come out at the station. That is that... a phrase that people Thank say. You. Is that a phrase people say? <laughs> you <laughs> have one minute to depart. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. We're gonna. This is gonna be a, a train analogy fueled episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank I you see, for having me. Yeah, I see where this, this is, is going. Um, yeah. So <laughs> this is Mark's first time on the show, and we keep saying that you know we like having people on. We just met Mark. A couple of weeks ago and i was on the show that is either a testament to mark's amazing charismatic personality or uh, an indictment on the standards of the guests on the show uh you have <laughs> about an hour and a half to decide which is which mark thank you for joining thank us you so much thank you <laughs> and don't forget that you can subscribe to story x story on apple podcasts on spotify pretty much wherever you get your podcast from and also send us your feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com. Uh, you can throw them at us on social media. We are at myamada on Twitter, at myamada TV on Instagram and TikTok, or at Tazzy on everything. Uh, and you can also join the Studio 77 Discord and be part of the myamada universe uh, and meet others in the community. You can consider becoming a Studio 77 member to support the work that we do at myamada uh, and get exclusive access to events and artwork. Speaking of events and artwork, before we get into today's story discussion, let's update you with the latest from the Mayamada universe. We are working on different manga projects, some for us, some for other people. So we're working on a manga for our Do I Look Like a Gamer video game campaign. So this will be the characters basically doing the campaign in the my meta universe that's a, a interesting kind of premise and uh something a bit different than what we've done before a bit of a behind the scenes look in a very meta way uh so it will also be a resource so if you've been following the campaign we're going to be working on putting together different resources from different organizations for young people for parents but in the context of a, a manga comic so um hopefully that will be useful to people once it's done and then our regular manga, the latest of which being Serious Through the Fog, which is out now available on the website. And it's a story about a pandemic made during the pandemic and sees Blake Serious navigating all the fear, uncertainty, doubt that uh, happened in, in, in real life, uh, at least for me. So put Blake and his team in that kind of scenario uh, and see him face his toughest adventure yet. So in we're now in September which means we have uh, another set of Studio 77 activities. Uh, so we have, by the time you are listening to this, we will have had our September episode of Casual Conversations with Comic Creators. So this is a monthly chat with different comic creators looking to uncover the human behind the art form. So this month, I'll be speaking to Scottish-based comic creator Chris Manson. We're doing that or have done that on Tuesday, but the VOD will still be up if you're listening to this pretty early after the podcast comes out. Uh, and Studio 77 members will have access beyond that 14-day Twitch VOD window. Uh, so you can also look forward to next month's discussion and, uh, yeah, from then on. And um, what we'll also do is put 
like highlights of discussions that we have over time over YouTube. We're building up a big backlog of editing tasks, but uh, you'll see that trickle on onto YouTube over the coming weeks and months. And then we, uh, we're going to be playing games. So our games night is happening for September on the 29th. So Thursday, the 29th with Studio 77 members. And we're going to be playing uh, Minecraft. So you can check that out. You can also check out past games nights highlights on our YouTube channel. We played games like Roblox, like Fortnite, like Rocket League. We just did Multiverses. That was a lot of fun. Um, I found a game I'm decent as at well at least at level one and two because i just played that game but i did get batman and that's the important thing of that stream uh lebron james you're next so check that out join us for the live stream and speaking of live streams we have the next gamepad online which will be produced in studio so we're going to be at samsung kx on november the 19th bringing back the online version of the gamepad event but doing everything in studio uh, at Samsung KX. So that means the teams are gonna be coming in, our interviewees, industry guest interviewees will be coming in studio uh, and you can also be there. So you can join us, be part of the studio audience and then cheer on the teams, ask your questions to the uh, industry guests. We're gonna be playing, well, the teams are gonna be playing Overcooked, Mario Strikers and Knockout City in the Gamepad Esports League. Uh, and we'll be having discussions with different industry professionals about their role, about their journey uh, into games. So you'll have uh, a chance to get tickets. So the link is in the show notes or go to gamepad.events and check that out. Uh, seating will be limited, so be quick. And uh, yeah, hope to see people there. It was a really nice space uh, at Samsung. So we're looking forward to this. We've not done something quite like this before. So yeah, why not end the year with something completely new? Well, not completely new, but uh, new enough. And then we've also got our Do I Look Like a Gamer campaign. So this is a campaign that we launched earlier in the year, promoting diversity and inclusion in the video games industry. So you can check out the website, looklikeagamer.com, uh, and see the photo campaign that we launched with that features the 40 players and makers showcasing diversity in the games industry and culture as well. Uh, so you can also catch the live stream launch, the segments of which are up on YouTube. So you can check out uh, the discussion we had around different topics about the campaign early on in the year. And you can also get involved, especially if you are a young or aspiring games professional, uh, you wanna get involved uh, in the upcoming events. Uh, you can also share the story of how you got into video games as part of the campaign. So you can record and upload your own video message, answering the question, what's the game that got you into gaming? So tag us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, tag MyMatter, use the hashtag look like a gamer, and we'll be looking for and amplifying uh, those stories. And then we have our last event of the year, well, our last campaign event of the year, which is especially useful if you've ever wondered how to tell your parents you want to work in games. So on Wednesday, the 26th of October, we'll be at Gravity in Wandsworth, South London, for a games careers event focused on parents, carers, guardians, educators, where we'll be helping them gain a better understanding of how games are made and the process it takes to make games from the people who make them. Uh, and then once all the talking is done, we'll be playing some games. So we'll be setting up a uh, family esports event in Gravity's esports lounge area. So this will be during half term. So we'll be starting early at 11 a.m. 
um, and running through for a few hours there. Uh, and in Gra- there's, if you've not been to Gravity, there's a whole bunch of stuff to keep you occupied uh, beyond that. There's a lot going on in that space. Uh, so the campaign is proudly sponsored by Rocksteady Studios and Splash Damage. So with their support, we've been able to do this event, uh, the past events of the campaign, uh, make them free for people to attend and just increase accessibility uh, in that sense as well. So we appreciate the support uh, and hope people can make it for this last event. Uh, so that is most of what we're working on uh, in the My Matter universe. Now you're all caught up. Let's talk about some of the stories that we've been enjoying this week. So this is a segment of the podcast where we like to talk about what everyone has been reading, watching or playing. And as always, we will start with our guest. Uh, So Mark, do you want to tell us a bit about the stories that have occupied your time recently? Yeah. Uh, One of my things that I really wish I could do more of was read more sci-fi things. But I find a lot of uh, sci-fi just quite dense and quite difficult to read. But a book that was recommended to me quite a lot was a book called uh, The Three-Body Problem by Lili Liu Shishin, I think. And it's a translated book. It's a Chinese book about a lot of things, uh, about a lot of quite heavy science explained in a quite interesting way. Uh, Some really interesting stories from scientists, but also all of this is happening in the Cultural Revolution in China. And, and the implications of that on freedom. It asks questions about um, identity, about purpose, in a way that I find really interesting. And also, it's quite nice to read a story with um, Asian names. I've never never really done it before. So that's been um, a really interesting read and exploration into the universe. I've only just finished the first book. I think there's three books. And The Three-Body Problem is the first one. So definitely highly recommend that. And the other thing, I'm probably the last person to watch this, but She-Ra, I love cartoons in general. I think um, we are in an age with stuff like Gravity Falls and stuff like um, Adventure Time, stuff like Steven Universe, where we are really, really spoiled for choice. And I think so often it's also quite difficult to kind of release a cartoon that, that is as engaging as She-Ra is. I think the world is beautiful. I think the representation's wonderful. And I also think there's some really, really lovely, incredible animation work in, you know, what's ostensibly a, you know, 20 minute kid show. It's beautiful. And um, I haven't finished it yet. I think I'm like halfway through season one. But uh, yeah, would highly recommend. I don't think you're the last person to watch it. I've started it, not got that I far, but I it. think, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. I'm always the last person. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're good. I think you're good. But they both sound like great stories. I've not heard of the free body problem before. So uh, thanks for putting that on my radar. Yeah, so I've watched a few things. I've watched a few things. So I couldn't remember if I spoke about this or not in the previous podcast. I've just put it here anyway. And then, Nigel, you can let me know. (laughs) 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 But Nope, I went to see the movie Nope. You definitely haven't said that. Okay, cool. Let's talk about the movie Nope. <laughs> Obviously without spoilers, but I have not seen what was the the other Get two. Out and us. Get out or I've not seen either of those. Oh, okay. Even I've seen them, Tazzy. <laughs> okay, so I'm not like I'm not much of a horror or thriller or any kind of category that falls under scary, kind of okay. even remotely scary kind of person. So what drew you to Nope? That everyone 
was watching it. <laughs> it's Stephen Yun in the hat, isn't it? It's Stephen Yun in a cowboy hat looking hot. That's that's the main reasons, isn't it? I mean, I, I didn't even know that at the point that I was like, <laughs> I need to go see Nope. I'd only seen the title, the like mm. literal title screen. And just everyone's going to see it. And I was like, well, I haven't seen the other two. I feel like maybe I just need to go and see one of them. <laughs> and I watched it. And it's not, it's not very scary. So I was mm. okay. <laughs> but it, it, I really enjoyed it. And it's funny hearing the opinions of people that have seen the, um, his other two works because they will have very different opinions on it. And they're like, oh, oh really? it's not the best. <laughs> it's like, definitely, definitely done better previously. But I thought it was great. I really liked the conflict in this. I'm trying to know what term to use without giving away absolutely anything because I feel like you need to experience it if, you, if you've not seen it, experience how it unfolds. Yeah, I really liked it and thought that it was quite an interesting approach to something of this kind. This is to anyone that's seen it, I hope you understand what I'm saying. To anyone that hasn't, I hope you do not understand yeah, anything I'm no saying <laughs> <laughs> because I don't want to give it away um but then I hope you'll remember this when you do see it but yeah I thought I thought I thought it was a really really cool approach to that kind of thing and also not not a spoiler but uh it was quite nice to see black horse horse wranglers because I grew up in a family that loves horses but the vast majority of the black children in my area had not even seen a horse. And the ones that had were absolutely terrified of them. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I can imagine. But I know other black people, like growing now I find like, feel like it's a lot easier to come across other black people that like horses as well. But yeah, like when we were younger, it was only when, when we went away and there once in a while there'd be another black person at the like uh horse um what are they called stables horse that's the word <laughs> at the stables horse we were house. At. Horse horse house. House. <laughs> yeah horse house. <laughs> yeah and um but yeah so that was also just just quite nice and um seeing them and their relationship and that family's relationship with the horses was, was pretty cool yeah but there's not much else i can talk about without uh giving away spoilers so i don't know if we can add nope into uh something we talk about on the podcast <laughs> okay i need to see it first yeah yeah that. and then i have actually been keeping on top of she hulk which i wasn't actually that majorly interested in watching but because mm. people were kicking up a fuss about it yeah um, and not this. liking it whenever people don't like something and <laughs> especially if they don't like it because of either women or people of color being portrayed in it or the way that or the way that they're portrayed in it yeah is that all it is it's just people not liking a female i don't know character. that's that's what i've sort of seen but also i'm also <clears> reading <throat> like into what people have said because they're things that right. they've sort of been like oh i don't like it because of this i'm like but that's kind of just what women experience so by saying you don't like it because of that you're yeah. kind of saying you don't like it because it's from a woman's point you're of view. You're kind of showing your hand a little yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that's all Mark. Yeah. And whether you, you, you don't. Well, I know, exactly. And what I think people don't realize is that they need to dig deeper into why they don't like, especially a lot of the things that the MCU is coming out with, is why they don't like it. 
because the things they're highlighting are either like just a different someone else's story they're either from a woman's perspective or it shows some some culture that isn't the eurocentric culture you know um, yeah. and i'm like i think people need to think about why they don't like it and maybe like have some self-reflection because they might have some unconscious bias to say that they don't even realize that they're having so just yeah before you say you don't like something that's <laughs> women of people of color just just think about it for a sec why you don't like it and dig a bit deeper and then maybe you'll come to appreciate it because it's just not your experience we are recording this the week after um, Rings of Power have come out as well. Yeah. And exactly the same response has happened. <laughs> Which is another thing, because we were talking about it earlier. Yeah. And I've just, I've seen like a whole Twitter thread about people worrying about that. I'm like, <laughs> God, I now yeah. want to watch it. Thanks. <laughs> I'm going to do I'm going to watch it three times all at once. Just to spite you. <laughs> so yeah, but I've been keeping up with She-Hulk. Really enjoyed it. Uh, I watched um, the Prince of Persia movie. <laughs> Okay, Prince of Persia. That's a that's quite old, right? Is that the one with Jake Gyllenhaal in it? Yeah, which was I thought was a weird choice. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I got used to it, but at first I was like, okay, uh, feel like could have used someone else. I I, <laughs> I I like Jake Gyllenhaal, but this wasn't the role for him. <laughs> no, no, it was not. No. I haven't seen the film, but it didn't look right to me. Um, but I did really enjoy it. Yeah, I really enjoyed the film. Uh, I just wanted something like easy to watch. And it was on my list. And I, we talk about video game movies a lot. Well, they get brought up because, you know, they're, yeah, they're always trying to get made. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. But um, I think the reason I did really enjoy it is because I haven't played Prince of Persia Sands of Time for so long. And I love that game. Okay. Yeah, I really can't wait for the remake. But... I feel like it was just hitting enough nostalgia to like make me enjoy it without thinking about how accurate it is, which <laughs> it's not. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it's still a really fun movie. And I think even taking out of account the like that it's not accurate to the to the games, some of what they done with it was was really fun. So yeah, maybe watch it when you've like forgotten most of the game and then it just hits enough nostalgia points and there's just like a pleasant ride. And then the last thing I just want to quickly talk about is um, I've been like slowly watching One Piece again. I say slowly, I just like binged a load of episodes the other day because I was doing my taxes and I needed something <laughs> to make that so boring. <laughs> Isn't that too much stimulation when you're doing your taxes? I feel like no, One Piece is like, like the opposite. I was doing like really boring bits that like just okay. prepared. I was like just highlight it, trying to like, I was double checking things. So I was just highlighting statements and stuff mm. in different colors. So then I can go through and do the like more brain tax and stuff mm -hmm. separately. But yeah, so I was watching One Piece. And then so then I've been like watching an episode here and there. And I think One Piece might be the greatest shonen there is. Ooh. That's quite a statement. There's, wow, wow. There's ears that have perked up right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> and if anyone wants to argue this with me, I'm just going to point out how many episodes there are. And More I than think, I probably care to watch, but I do like yeah. that. I do like So that speaks volumes of mm. how good it is, because it just keeps going. <laughs> <laughs>
But the reason I say that is because I'm still very early on in the anime. I'm on like 323. And I've just witnessed two male characters ball their eyes out, like full on mushy cry. Genuinely or in like a comedic? No, genuinely. Like okay. um, they're, emoti- they're emotional. Hmm. Like they are upset over friendship as well. And that was just like the, the, it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh my God, this makes it great. But it was like just the, the cherry on top of like how many topics and things that One Piece covers. And even like back on free episode 322 in such a great way. And it's not like, I've said it before. I'm so bored of Shonen. One Piece, <laughs> not boring because it, it just encapsulates so much and it, it doesn't feel like a boys club shonen. Why? It just has, it has elements to it and it, it's just really good storytelling. I will say there are a lot of fillers, but yeah, well, the anime more. isn't there. Yeah. <laughs> and especially when there's that many episodes and it's so, so long of a story and, and follows a manga that's still going. But yeah, I think it just covers a lot of topics and it doesn't, and, it, and it's quite it's quite real, even though it's set in like a fictional land of pirate, like where pirates and the government, yeah, whatever this weird mix of pi- pirates and government rule. The characters are realistic, and their their stories and journeys together and their relationships. It it doesn't it doesn't shy away from making people real and not real in the way that's like this is what society says that these people should be. It's like, no, you know, Luffy is actually emotional. I'm very intrigued. Considering the characters are so comical, it's just such a good balance. And it, yeah, it took me a while to realise and appreciate that about One Piece. I have now. Anyway, that, that was supposed to be a quick thing and it yeah. wasn't quite <laughs> at all. Um, <laughs> we still got to get talk about what stories have been taking up your time, Nigel. Yeah, so I've also been watching She-Hulk, so I'm going to leave that to the end, uh, and and I will actually quickly uh, talk about a couple of two. So I've been continuing to read the manga Sakamoto Days, which is a story about a formerly uh, feared legendary hitman who quits the business, uh, becomes a store owner and a family man, and he maybe gains a few pounds uh, here and there, everywhere, and. Yeah, so he gets married, uh, has a baby, living a quiet life, and then he's pulled back into the world. Uh, so I mentioned this before when I started Volume 1, continuing the story and really enjoying it because it's funny. So the like the premise is funny, but it, it's also cool because I always like the, the old character gets brought back in and he's still got all his skills and he still can't be touched. But the, the contrast between that world and him trying to get the just maintain the family life um is yeah it's a funny contrast so enjoying that story um volume two i've been watching castlevania which again also mentioned on the podcast recently when i just started i now finished season two that's a really good show that is a really good show uh, i don't know why it takes me so long i don't know why anything takes me so long to get to this is just one of many but it's such a it's, it gives me Game of Thrones vibe in terms of the the intrigue and the machinations that are going on. So it's about, I guess it's about Dracula. So the premise, so it's not spoilers, but the premise is Dracula gets married and his, his wife is burned at the stake for being a witch. 
and he does not take that very well and uh, basically then wants to start a whole war against humanity uh, and wipe them from the world so he enlists the help of sort of different uh, vampire clans so it's very dark medieval fantasy but then he also well the sorry the story also follows so the, the last surviving member of a clan the belmont clan so trevor belmont who were the last family to sort of go up against the vampires and so he's a bit of a oh, what's the rebel kind of character so yeah you could follow different factions in dracula's camp there's a lot of kind of conflicts and everything like that it's just very just the intrigue of it is just very interesting and uh, and cool to see in an, in an animation uh, so really enjoying that and then yeah she hulk so i've also been enjoying enjoying she hulk well i've already seen two episodes and it's interesting to hear some of the sort of the feedback and the criticisms like as tazzy brought up so i've enjoyed it i feel i had some issues with the first episode just because i kind of understand why they did it but it felt i don't know it felt light in terms of like the way they introduced how she got her powers not rushed actually that's the word they kind of it felt like they and it felt like a purposeful thing that they just rushed to the point where she's she-hulk now we're not going to spend too much time on how she got her powers and all that which is fair enough uh, and then yeah just the it's a comedy so it's very like light-hearted the cgi isn't as bad as all the kind of the uproar uh over that first trailer and then i feel i'm just getting to the point where they're introducing like the, the main sources of conflict so yeah just seeing where where it goes but yeah it seems cool yeah i think it's quite self, self-aware of that first episode being quite quite rushed and definitely very purposeful yeah yeah uh, I, I did here you go here's impression. the bit that you really want to know about out of the way <laughs> yeah it, it felt like that it felt it felt designed to just get to the the all right now let's start the let's start the show so and i think the your point about sort of coming from a different perspective i can understand because i the the bits where i'm watching it and i'm like yeah i can see this is someone else's perspective and i feel how you respond to that like mark i feel like so greatly put like shows your hand like if you if that annoys you in some way and um, that's not to say like the show's not beyond criticism you can have a a show that's not so well done in certain ways but i think if it's just a case of oh i'm hearing like a woman's perspective in uh, in this world and that upsets me then yeah maybe <laughs> maybe take a look at that but yeah so continue to watch the show uh, and then yeah we'll uh we'll report back when it's i feel like i need to see more because i've just got into the main conflict point before i can give like a any kind of like verdict but yeah so far so good i mean you're only one set episode behind i'm pretty sure yeah i am yeah oh so it's not like coming out all at once it's like weekly yeah weekly, yeah cool. i kind of like it i kind of like it yeah it. I, I do miss I'll binge it. it all in one and then mm-hmm. it's all over so quickly yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I liked it i like i know that i mean the, there's a commercial thing of like getting people to keep their subscriptions but i i like the one a week i can take it in think about it come back to it so yeah so those are the stories that we've been enjoying uh now let's get to our main story discussion And today we're going to be talking about Bullet Train, the 2022 action comedy film directed by David Leitch and based on the 2010 novel Maria Beetle by Kotaro Isaka. The film stars Brad Pitt and a whole ensemble cast of killers. So we're going to uh, bring up those names uh, as we go. 
Uh, so spoiler alert, we are going to be getting into all the details that we have time for. Uh, as usual, I will do a recap of the story. But first, let's get everyone's quick take and general impressions, starting with our guest, Mark. What did you what do you think about this film? So I, I think for me, I, I knew nothing about it. I just knew that Brad Pitt was in it. And, and generally speaking, I like Brad Pitt. Not personally, I've never met him yet, but uh, in terms <laughs> of like, like cool movie he picks, yeah, you know, fine. And then as I started to watch it, I started to like it more and more. It's like, okay, you know, Brad Pitt's funny, but, you know, great actor, he knows what he's doing. And then slowly throughout the remainder of the film, I don't know if you guys had this, I think despite being set on the train, the pacing is kind of off and I started getting very de-invested in the world and the characters and amongst other kind of pain points for me it just didn't really it felt like lock stock at the <laughs> yeah, second half yeah, of the yeah. film and i and i feel like that but was just good. like the wrong direction to yeah yeah not as good i don't know what, do, what did you guys think okay all right tazzy what did you what did you make of it um so to your comment i did definitely find a switch in pace but for me it had the opposite effect of it like then sort of like just changed the dial a bit i guess Mm -hmm. just got me intrigued in a different way i really 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 enjoyed bullet train and so uh, i saw the trailer first and i was like oh i want to see this film this looks good like i'm intrigued (laughs) uh definitely gotta go see this one and then saw it and i was not disappointed there was a few things that i like totally saw coming i enjoyed that it was like in a good way. It was like maybe I didn't see it coming in that way, but I kind of like had an idea that was the kind of thing that was going to happen. Um, I enjoyed just, I just enjoyed the premise. I enjoyed just the fact that it is set on a train. I think anything that's set in like one location that has lots of different spaces to it works really well. So yeah, anything that's like, Set on a train, set on a block, set on just like that one contained space, yeah, but it's an interesting different compart- compartments. I don't know, maybe it's because it gives it that like kind of video game feel, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that same, it gives you that same kind of whatever, whatever kick that gives you. But yeah, I was definitely along for the ride with this one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We do an account of these train uh, <laughs> puns. All right. I like it. I like it. Okay, cool. I'm glad Mark is here because an interest in the timing of this episode, because we just spoke about Thor, which I feel this is going to be one of those times where you can clip things I say as bad against Thor. But I'm going to overlook them for bullet train, <laughs> and that's why I'm glad Mark is here because you're gonna you're gonna keep us straight. Because okay, so when I when I watched this, I also didn't know much. I, I saw I think I saw the trailer once. I glanced at the poster. I was like, yeah, Brad Pitt's cool. Premise looks interesting, and I'm interested in the, the challenge that is setting something in one location, or you know, pretty much mostly in one location, and making a a story around that. So, and it's set in. I guess technically set in Japan. I mean, you don't see too much, but so it was cool. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see it. So I'm watching it, and I had a similar thing when we did our Free Guy review. This is not as, I don't think it's as good a film as Free Guy, but I had a similar thing I where do. I don't know if this is a good film, but I'm in, uh, and there's, I think <laughs> there's a point, and it came before the, I think the the change in where the pacing and the film went a bit off the <laughs> off the rails, almost literally uh, figuratively, in terms of like how. Just the 
the bombasticness just like got very ridiculous um but way before that i'm like yeah i get what this is and and i'm just gonna accept that and i'm in and i i really enjoyed this like i just enjoyed the that you mentioned the sort of guy Ritchie kind of influenced the there's some quentin tarantino thing in there there's like a mix of it Yes, maybe not as good as the individual things there, but I just like the mix. I feel it was, it, I feel it was quite well done. Uh, it, it got a bit loose, or even looser mm-hmm. in the in the third act, but we'll uh, we'll come to that. So yeah, but Mark, uh, you're going to keep us honest, Mark, and make sure you get those uh, those uh, criticisms in. Just yeah, just just pulling the brakes on, yeah. on the excitement. <laughs> You you both had a had a train pun and uh, <laughs> yeah. kind of like you had to get your one in for that. Yeah, yeah, that I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm not gonna. Yeah, I was just gonna say, uh, Nigel, when you say uh, keeping us on the track, I'll keep us honest. I'll keep an. Oh, wow, I had oh, that one. This <laughs> 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 oh, is. I'm sorry, everybody in advance. Um, but when you say that, you mean the podcast as a whole, because I don't think there's any way you can derail my force I'm sorry I'm sorry this episode is just an hour and a half of Um, I'm so here for it Um, alright let me do this recap and we can get back to the puns alright so this story takes us to a hospital in Tokyo where a grieving father uh, Yuchi Kimura is out for revenge after his son is pushed off a rooftop meanwhile former assassin Ladybug is assigned to retrieve a briefcase from a bullet train bound for Kyoto. Yuchi is also aboard the train, as well as a young woman called the Prince, an assassin duo, Lemon and Tangerine, and the son of a Russian-born Yakuza boss known as the White Death. Ladybug gets the briefcase, but is soon attacked by an assassin called the Wolf, who blames Ladybug for poisoning his wedding. The Wolf's attack backfires and results in his own death. Ladybug stashes the briefcase as the prince reveals to Yuchi that she pushed his son off the roof. She wanted to lure him on the train as part of an elaborate plan to assassinate the White Death. While Lemon and Tangerine search for the briefcase, the White Death's son is murdered in the same way that the Wolf's wedding guests were. Ladybug and Lemon fight over the briefcase while the Prince and Yuchi actually find the briefcase and booby trap it. Later on, Lemon shoots and injures Yuchi but collapses after drinking water that Ladybug has spiked with a sleeping drug. The Prince shoots Lemon and stashes him and Yuchi in the bathroom. Ladybug encounters another assassin, the Hornet, who poisoned the White Death's son with boom slang venom. After a struggle, Ladybug injects the Hornet with her own poison. Elsewhere, Tangerine runs into the Prince, but Ladybug attacks before he can shoot her, killing Tangerine with his own gun. Believing the Prince to be innocent, Ladybug agrees to protect her. Meanwhile, Yuchi's father, the Elder, gets on the train and deals with the Prince, causing her to flee. The Elder tells Ladybug that he is seeking revenge against the White Death and they discover Yuchi and Lemon are still alive. So the four face with the White Death at Kyoto Station, who explains that every assassin on the train was in some way responsible for the death of his wife and he hired them all in the hopes that they would meet and kill each other. The White Death's henchmen open the briefcase, which explodes. The White Death and his remaining henchmen board and battle the assassins, and the train hurtles out of control and crashes into downtown Kyoto. Emerging from the wreck, the White Death tries to shoot Ladybug, but is killed by the rigged gun. The prince is then struck and killed by a tangerine truck driven by Lemon, and Ladybug's handler Maria arrives to retrieve him as he celebrates finally getting off the bullet train. The end. 
all right, so there's a lot that happened in there. There's a lot of like kind of connections and everything. So one of the things I wanted to get into is the source material, which I've not read, but I did not know that this was based on a book until putting together these notes. So I mentioned in the in the intro, this is an adaptation uh, of a novel called Maria Beetle. And I want to, I mean, we talked a bit, I feel we kind of touched on something close to this with our discussion of She-Hope, but something that I just find interesting is that the in the original, the characters are Japanese and you had this, I guess, this change of characters, this change of tone. Uh, so when this project was first looking to be made by Anton Fuqua, who's, I think, still producer on this, uh, he wanted to make something that was less jokey, uh, like a diehard on the train type thing. So you got a change of tone and the change of characters. So the character's ethnicity, and there were accusations of like whitewashing the characters. Uh, and I wondered how you both felt about that because you have a story that was originally Japanese characters that are being changed to characters of other ethnicities. Is that whitewashing? Is that a bad thing? Do you think the story is made worse for that or it doesn't matter? Yes, it is whitewashing. And I think it, I think, I think for me, you know, I, again, I did a little bit of wikipedia after I'd, I'd watched it and so I was aware that it was an, a novel, but even before I'd seen that, I think there's a, currently anyway, I think there's a big, there's always been a big trend in my opinion of the West fetishizing different aspects of Asia. And I think the, 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 the real problem with everything um, amongst that is, is, is its poor representation of the place and space so you know you you mentioned earlier um it takes place on bullet train in japan uh the bullet train is a iconic japanese um symbol and you don't see much of japan um instead you see uh a lot of japanese traits you know there's a there's a quiet carriage there's two english south london assassins who get shushed by another white woman and it seems so unusual that there are so many white people in <laughs> one train and absolutely no Japanese people. These people, yeah. And I think it I think for me also like it feels to me like it's 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 doing the thing I think a lot of things like this do, which is it takes the bits that it wants from Asian culture. Mm. At, like, for example, the source material just gets and replaces so much of it that i really i really would be interested in reading the book because there's so many tropes in there that are borrowed from japanese culture that like you know brad pitt's character i think i personally think he's far too charismatic for the character um the kind of <laughs> awkward nervous you, you know like the um have you guys you, you guys have seen um kung fu hustle or like drunken master and stuff like that right yeah a long time ago but yeah well yeah but... so like skill through calamity is such a right right asian like <laughs> like yeah yeah character right like he he literally doesn't go out to kill anybody and in this movie accidentally kills a bunch of people yeah does kill a bunch of other people but a lot of it like he's very disconnected from that and it's such this like quintessential thing but Brad Pitt is too cool to play that kind of character. Yeah, At this no is what I felt about Ryan this... Reynolds in Free Guy, actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I, I can't imagine this person has ever, 
again, a part of that character is is continual rejection from women around him. That's why he's single. That's perhaps why he pursued this kind of job because you know everything like that's gone wrong. I don't. I just doesn't. It, it takes away a lot of that authenticity. I think trying to to to, to build that and 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 then yeah, and then you have call. Cool, yeah, you've acknowledged it's a quiet carriage, but because lemon and tangerine are making so much noise, the person that turns around isn't Japanese. It's a, just mm. another person, um, another white person, and. To me, have you guys seen Seven Samurai with uh, Thomas Cruise? Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean yeah, that's yeah, that's a particularly I feel that's a particularly bad no. example <laughs> of like white man goes into yeah exactly culture, and, and becomes and, the best and then takes it <laughs> out yeah. And I think for me, it becomes inadvertently it becomes a film almost entirely of Westerners killing Japanese people. And mm. I think maybe this is maybe I should have saved this for the end. Maybe the, maybe I should have done that for that uh, for that tone shift. But I do think that like, do do you guys know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I get what you. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I just before I like lose my train of thought. Yeah, that was not meant to. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I just I just want to like get it out because I I didn't know it was a book. This is. Mm. news to me and i've instantly gone to add it to my like want to read list yeah <laughs> nice. i'm, I'm yeah, more yeah, interested yeah, yeah, in reading yeah, the book now definitely i think i have a problem it is whitewashing well erasing its source material right and i think that the issue the biggest issue i have is that this is me realizing it was based on a book and i feel like when you do change something you should put it like up right and center like this is the book it's based on and you know this is what it's called check it out like it should be like if you're gonna if you're gonna base something on a source material like this it should be the other thing i was gonna say is i'm glad that the name is not the same Mm -hmm. because gonna bring up my uh, least favorite movie (laughs) (laughs) ready Ready player one so the thing that bugged me about ready player one is that they changed so much that the story wasn't ready player one and so i appreciate that it's not the same name because it's like we're basing it off this but then i feel like you should also acknowledge the source material and then i think mark you just highlighted the thing that is like really annoying is that it's not even like the main protagonists and antagonists in this the main cast have been whitewashed or just changed it's the it's the fact that everyone has Mm -hmm. (laughs) like Mm -hmm. that i think that's the most annoying part because i can except for the father and son yeah except for the father yeah. yeah And also, because it's kind of like an ensemble thing, and I feel like they do have like at least a mixture of different ethnicities, that it's not as bad as other films have been, <laughs> where they just completely like, absolutely like whitewash it. There is no diversity there at all. Mm-hmm. And because it's like an ensemble thing, it's like all these, each character brings like a different cultural element as well. Mm-hmm. But it's the fact that, like, not even like, there should be Japanese people on this Japanese yeah, yeah. chain going through Japan. I think Tatum's on the train. Yeah, yeah. what's he doing on the bloody train? It could have been there. Stephen Yun just finished filming. Nope, he could have been in this, in wearing this, his yeah. cowboy hat, speaking <laughs> yeah. English, and and instead of Channing, bloody Tatum. Yeah, come on. And then 
I I also get, you know, that we have like a really, like we have Brad Pitt as the main character. It's like a headlining actor that like everyone knows to draw more viewership in. But yeah. I feel like we've just proved that great films don't need to have white people on the cover. <laughs> Everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, could have, Brad Pitt could have still been in it <laughs> and had someone else who was of Japanese descent. And, you know, still had a great film. Yeah. Um, and this is probably going to be my one and only criticism. And that's why I wanted to get out before I lost. <laughs> I thought I'd get the, uh, the potential criticisms uh, out of the way first. <laughs> um, but no, uh, yeah, Mark made some uh, interesting points there. It's, some, it's something I sort of considered. Where's that, where's that line between, I don't know, being a, having a diverse cast whitewashing the original source material making a entertaining film that is going to draw people like you say put brad pitt on the on the cover you know you're going to get some some eyeballs some on that so yeah it's an interesting kind of discussion uh so as well as looking at the source material there's also a story so i just want to look at the story itself and like i said when i intro this i don't know if this is a good film but i enjoyed it however when i was putting the notes together i did see some I had that moment where I came out of the cinema. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I enjoyed that. And then as I was putting the notes together, seeing some of the reviews, like, oh, was I in the minority here of people who enjoyed this film? And one of them in particular who did not enjoy this is, uh, so I pulled this quote from uh, Wendy Ida, I'm going to say. Hopefully I got that uh, last name right from The Observer. I kind of questioned, like, my question to this learner is this a, is this an entertaining, enjoyable ride or dumb action film that should never have been made? So Wendy says, there are plenty of big, dumb action movies that can deliver thrills without exactly taxing the brain. And then there are films that are so thunderously stupid they bypass guilty pleasure status and end up as a danger to themselves and all around them. Bullet Train falls into the latter camp. It's so imbecilic that you wouldn't trust it to cross the road unsupervised, let alone negotiate Japan's Shinkansen high-speed rail network. That's quite a statement. And so, yeah, did you agree? Because this obviously isn't the most, the deepest film out there. Does it get the balance right between the sort of switch your brain off, enjoy the ride, or just too stupid to be allowed to cross the road? So <laughs> what do you think, Tazzy? Oh, I highly disagree, Wendy. <laughs> Maybe... You just don't have the intellect <laughs> to enjoy, <laughs> enjoy this. I don't know. I thought it was. I thought it was a good balance. I am, but also I'm a personal fan of like how do these characters all intertwine and link? Like that yeah, is a sure like that, yeah. way to get me yeah. like strapped into my seat. Um, <laughs> and definitely on this ride, you you need to seatbelts fastened, please. Like, <laughs> oh for sure. And I feel like it doesn't, it doesn't also, maybe as well, maybe it's because I'm someone that watches a lot of anime and so sort of like there for the pretty, like, I don't think it was that crazy or dumb. Is that mm. just me? Is that just like, I watch anime brain <laughs> in there? Maybe. That's like... maybe, yeah. Side <laughs> effect of watching anime is do not consume more than eight hours in one day. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it was definitely there for like, I loved how like all the characters intertwined and like that like fun guessing. And like I said earlier, it was, there was a lot of things that I guess that I was 
mostly write about or I was kind of right about things, but maybe not the exact way that it was. And I think, and again, like I said earlier, it was in an enjoyable way because they gave me enough clues and enough information to guess that. Yeah, but, there's a lot of foreshadowing in this. Yeah, but not too much that I didn't enjoy when it was revealed. Right. And so I just got to sit along for the ride. Yeah. And, in, and enjoy the journey. I, I, I took it as that as well. I was like, like I said, there was, there was a point where I was like, okay, I see what, where the, the tone is pitched here. I, I see what this is. And I'm going to enjoy it for that. And I did enjoy it. I think, and that, that kind of almost like damning with faint praise, but it, it is what it is. And I think it's one of those examples of, it doesn't have to be a, the deepest Oscar nominated or winning film to be enjoyed. It can just be fun. And this is a really fun film. However, uh, and this is where I'm going to pass over to Mark, like I said, keeping us on the rails here, is given what I'm sure I said a lot of uh, in Thor, does this film kind of try and have it both ways? Because it's it's a funny film. It's of dark comedy and just out-and-out comedy. But then there are attempts at drama. And I, I did criticise Thor for undercutting the dramatic moments. And for some reason, I feel that I was okay with it for the most part here, where I was not okay with it in Thor. I don't know why. Mark, explain to us why I, I am wrong. Oh, without talking too much about the previous uh, episode, which I fully enjoyed. So, if you're <laughs> listening and haven't listened to it yet, you should absolutely do. I, I, I totally agree with your your kind of statement on on Thor in that like highs are high and lows should be low in terms of energy. And mm. quite often, I think they were afraid to step off the gas just in case they couldn't pick up the momentum in Thor. In Thor, okay, and <laughs> I think. In, in this, I think, I actually think the harder they pressed on the gas, the less I enjoyed it. The sad kind of moments towards the end, for me, came far too late and felt really insincere in terms of how that fun is communicated. Like, yeah. you know, referring to back to like, you know, Lockstock or even like Kill Bill. I think Kill Bill does a pretty good job of taking those inspirations and building something dramatic and silly at the same time. Because also, I think with a lot of these kinds of action films, you have to also balance cool. Like, that's a third element you have to juggle that I don't necessarily mm. think, you know, that's built into something like Thor because it's superheroes and stuff. But it's also not something you spend a lot of time on. Whereas with this, because you're trying to outsmart the audience, you're trying to go, oh, they're all connected. Oh, they're all, like, influencing each other's lives. But then if you just want to go and, like, one thing that just kind of kept bothering me is how often they needed to like reiterate stuff. Like we got we got like five different moments of their us going, oh yeah, there's sleeping powder in that water. There's sleeping yeah, powder yeah. in that water. There's <laughs> sleeping powder in that water. There's sleeping powder in that water. He's gonna fall asleep now. Like you want people to sometimes forget that that's what's happened and then show that or or, or you know whatever. But I you know sure you want to show that water bottle being left. But I think. It's it's a stuff like that. I think it's not really committing in those moments to fully action, fully cool, or fully dramatic. It's kind of going, well, we'll turn up all three, but then all three are going to be quite a low level. And I think as the movie gets on, I think that level, that overall level, just drops mm. to be absurd. Um, I don't know if it's that <laughs> stupid, Wendy. I I, I definitely disagree. <laughs> Beautifully written, though. Um. Yeah, I, I thought like I read that. I was like, wow, I, I don't agree, but it's a good statement. 
Yeah, great. Yeah. In terms of like uh, clippable quotes from a movie, um, for a movie review, I think that's that, that's brilliant. But yeah. um, just, I just again, you, you look at movies like Lockstock and 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 even like Layer like Layer Cake and uh, Kill Bill. They are just they accomplish the highs more, and they comp they accomplish the lows in terms of energy more. Mm. And I think because this, those are such clearly big influences, you can't help compare. And then when you compare, to me, it's it falls a short bit to the comparison. Pale. Yeah, yeah. I, I take that. I think because they're, they're clearly those influences are like lot stock. Like they, they are funny films, or, or there are funny yeah. moments in those films that don't necessarily undercut the drama and mm-hmm. and the, the conflict in those. Where I, I guess in a sense, this does. So I, if I was to put it on a on a scale, I'd put like the lock stocks, the the layer cakes, and that like at the at the top end of like how you mm-hmm. do that. Thor at the very bottom, mm-hmm. and then this somewhere in the middle for me. Yeah. In that sense, so when you make the comparison to the top, yes, it does it does fall short. But I, I felt there was enough where I can go. I mean, I think a lot of it is expectations as well, but you can go. Or at least I, I went like, yeah, I'm, I'm still on board with it. it. Doesn't necessarily take away from my enjoyment of yeah. what I'm watching in that sense. So that was a, uh, but yeah, no, it was a great opening paragraph mm. of this review. I'm also like, what you didn't enjoy the journey of the water bottle? Uh, yeah, no, right. <laughs> I, I, just, I again, I, I thought that was funny. Well, <laughs> so, was I just wanted like, to see it five times. Yeah, <laughs> five <laughs> times. <laughs> But to me, that was like the joke because then they like do the whole the whole, and here the actual is the whole story. Yeah. Like, and I was like, this is just an inanimate object, and you've literally like gone through this like yeah. <laughs> cute little it's like a story of the bottle, like where it went. It was totally like a like they know. An advert, like, I feel like but... a, a lot of this, they they know what this is. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like as if to say, we're making this so obvious. We're making this so, so obvious. It's so that when you don't, for the people that don't get it, and trust me, the people that the people are out there that completely missed it. Because <laughs> I feel like it showed the bottle so much that you're like, you don't even you can you can forget that it's the same bottle. It can so easy like it uh that then when they show the full story, people are like, that's why they kept showing the water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, i mean like i said there's a lot of sort of breadcrumbs and uh foreshadowing we'll, we'll touch on those uh moments um but as we mentioned like this is an adaptation and mentioned one of the things that have changed from the adaptation uh, another thing that's changed is that in the book there is no white death so oh, interesting yeah the mob boss that the white death kills yoshio Medigishi, i'm hoping again pronouncing that right but that, is, that character is the antagonist who assigns Lemon and Tangerine to save his son. And there are no ulterior motives for revenge against them. So I thought it was interesting that well, there are a number of changes, but this one in particular, from a storytelling perspective, to add this antagonist. And then you have, then because that affects everything, because then you have the Elder, who has the revenge mission against the White Death. You have, obviously, the Prince, and then things like that. So... I guess this is like an, an opinion thing is like, why do you think the white death is added to the story? Or, or what do you think the white death adds to this story that wasn't there in the book? Is this like a book versus film thing? You need a, a clearer antagonist to sort of for people to not necessarily rally around, but to identify uh, through the story. I think that's really interesting because earlier on, um, I was saying to Tazzy that like, you know, 
the White Death, in my opinion, is like clearly like a symbol for anti, you know, anti-Western sentiment and, and and Westernization of Japan. In that, like, he literally takes over a Yakuza group. But if that's not in the novel, I think that's an interesting addition. I, I think it maybe would have been a cleverer movie if it didn't do that. Maybe okay. because you could spend more time with their backstories and have them be the agents of their own misfortune, maybe. Hmm. But the White Death doesn't take up much story time because you only really see him, well, you only literally only see him at the end in, yeah. in his full glory. And then he's spoken mm -hmm. about up until then. It kind of, it, but then it does change how the, the other characters interact with each other because it's all about the White Death, even though you don't see him. Yeah. I think you know, a lot of times when you have a villain, I think you can tie things up very easily. They're almost like a hairpin. They become a very important part to the yeah. overall, but they don't necessarily need to be that ornate or that interesting in and of themselves. Mm. And I do think, you know, as a, as a story device, I think it actually serves the ending if okay you what you say you want to have a big bombastic ending that maybe is less comedic less cool but or maybe arguably more cool but more explosive quite literally um i think <laughs> as a story device i think it's it it does a good job of of almost that kind of hitchcockian you know drive towards this big end in a way that if there was it no focuses death, it was just more boss. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It really does. Like Mark said, that's like a really interesting fact. And like I just now it makes me want to read the book more because I'm like, well, what? Yeah. And I, I know how to make sense of this without the white death, because that was like the the thread, right? But I I really like this story and how it ties together, mm. especially with uh, the white deaths two children so i just i don't know what this would you wouldn't have been able to make this movie without the story going being pulled in that direction i don't think yeah, the, like yeah this particular this particular movie yeah this type of movie yeah it would have it would have had to been closer to the book i guess otherwise but um what i will also say is that i kind of think that I've not read the book, but from my guess of what, you know, not massive amount of uh, Japanese knowledge I have, but knowledge of how uh, westernizing Japanese things happens, is I feel like they've done this probably so that people could have a better understanding and that it could hit a Western audience a lot easier. Do you mean introduce could... that character to give people a better understanding? Yeah, yeah, because I can right. imagine that without that character this story has a lot more like cultural relevance to japan that a lot of people probably wouldn't get like 100 percent. i think it reminds me again of a different kind of again it's not a japanese story i'm sorry but like you look at a movie like parasite that did so well in the west and mm. it clearly showcases uh, folly and it showcases greed but it showcases it through protagonists that don't have an antagonist and arguably you could say the antagonist is the wider society the wider you know look of capitalism and and, and when hmm. i say like this could be a smarter movie if they had done that i think that could have been a much more quote unquote japanese ending had it have did it if it had something more to say about 
society. Like I know this is a horrible um, example, but you know, look at you know Death Note. It should just be two people fighting it out, but actually like it becomes ideals. so much. Yeah, ideal. It becomes mm. so much yeah. more about what is what is what is self agency. What is your place in the world? Like, if you are a god, if you are, do you really think you'd be a benevolent dictator, or do you think you know you're actually probably nowhere near what you think you are because you don't have that power now? And then it transforms you. And I think this film doesn't have any of those things to say. No, it, it does. Characters. It does say. I mean, we'll get to themes, but it does say stuff about fate and destiny, but it's very surface level. Thing, like you say it's not that yeah like, i mean death notes is death notes almost an unfair comparison because that's sure. so good it, but i get yeah. what you're saying about like <laughs> yeah. just that you got you walk away going that's oh that's quite a, a meaty topic to to consider mm-hmm. but this doesn't have those those levels but i think with the the character like the white death as you were saying it, it it does like tie things together and i think there are certain things i mean this might be if we had all read the book and we're coming this might be a more critical <laughs> conversation because I, I imagine they've taken a lot out of a lot of the complexity mm-hmm. from the book but i think there is when you adapt something like a, a novel for film there's just a natural kind of i mean dumbing down was the, the first phrase that came to mind i don't necessarily mean that but you just you have to take things out because yeah. just one the time the story space is different but just like the audiences because it just makes it simpler and sometimes for film especially like you're talking like hollywood film you just need to make it simple that yeah. i'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing it just you just have to make it simple for the most part for what this kind of film is and giving that like oh everyone's talking about the white death so you know that's something that's going to come it's easy yeah. to follow and it just makes the for this kind of film it just makes it all flow nicely so i feel that's kind of why they they added that but it's an interesting kind of consideration in terms of like where you can go with looking at exploring the themes that are clearly in this but not explored to mm-hmm. that level and then i was gonna so mention from a um, storytelling perspective uh, in terms of the the breadcrumbs there's a lot of breadcrumbs spread over this train uh, and foreshadowing of things to come so i feel that i wanted to bring this up because i mean some of them I, I found funny but just like for people sort of making stories or just interested in how it works there's a lot of foreshadowing now whether it's done well or not like we spoke about the water bottle which <laughs> may be a bit overkill intentionally or, or otherwise but it's done and i feel like there are certain things in stories where you don't want things to just pop up and sort of save the day you want to uh, layer them into the story and then reveal them so they don't come out of nowhere so we have things like the speaking of sort of tropes japanese tropes we have the the, the train carriage which has the anime mascot in there that kept getting in the way i was grabbing the the briefcase and we sort of find out that's like the, the hornet the the bulletproof vest that saves lemon because there was a conversation between lemon and tangerine about the value of um of wearing them one of the, the i found this funny just so lemon's constant bringing up of thomas the tank engine and uh how he uses that to judge character and um, they get to like you know the, the the sticker book he's got with the different characters, and he talks about the Diesel character, and I I loved how they just they pin the prince with a Diesel character, the Diesel sticker, and that's so how so um, yeah. Tangerine knew that this there's something wrong. That I I thought that was great in that, and then even things like the the snake that escapes the boom slang uh, snakes because you get the news reports, so we hear like this dangerous snake uh, snake on the loose, and it's sort of that. A, or a version of uh, Chekhov's gun, which is like, if you show a gun, it will be fired at some point. So it's like you show the snake at some point, that snake is going to bite 
someone uh, <laughs> and that gets paid off in there so yeah i don't know if anyone had any favorite setup and payoffs i really liked most of them to be honest yes. <laughs> i think the thomas the tank engine one was just funny which is yeah, like absolutely comical because yeah. out of all things like thomas the tank engine <laughs> I know. And that's that kind of the Tarantino thing of like, we're going to have this whole conversation about something that has nothing to do with the main uh, side <laughs> yeah. of the story, but, but tie it back. Yeah, and yeah. I do love yeah. that. I do love that because it was, so it was a funny thing to, to keep bringing up, but there was also an emotional beat to it because uh, Tangerine and uh, Lemon and Tangerine, they kind of brought the emotional core to the story. Mm. And obviously that was after, well, we thought Lemon uh, died and it's kind of like a, emotional thing of like oh this is the, the my brother speaking you know speaking to me about this character and i know what this means and yeah i'm gonna act on that so i really like that moment and i just and i like that um because also it's like the bringing up like thomas the tank engine this like kids tv show yeah <laughs> from the uk like yeah, yeah it's a good point <laughs> and then it actually just like led back to their childhood as well because obviously like you're constantly being it's constantly um what's it ladybug is it ladybug that's constantly like they are not brothers yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they're not yeah, twins yeah, yeah. what is it they're not, not twins, twins yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was just like no they are twins like, <laughs> they are not twins <laughs> uh. and then so like obviously it's like you're kind of like how like what what makes their bond so strong like where does mm. this bond come to and even though it's like such a small snippet, I think. I don't know if it's from I being it. British or <laughs> having watched things that give you that kind of quite stereotypical story. But you only needed that short st- snippet to kind of like create their childhood, right? Mm. Yeah, definitely. And then oh, it was just so beautifully done. <laughs> All right, so I want to talk more about characters and theme, but, but I feel I can't go any further without mentioning the visuals because, like, this is quite stylistic film in terms of tone, but certainly, like, the visuals. And I feel we've spoken about the sort of Guy Ritchie, Lockstock influence, the Tarantino, there's a lot of, like, comic book influence, like, the way the characters are introduced. Like, everyone, I don't think anyone gets a real name. Like, everyone, everyone's a character. You get the kind of still for each character, the wolf, the prince, the elder, everyone gets their introduction. And I feel this is, I guess, the, the style of the, the director, but also it must be a consideration of when when the environment is so limited, because, you know, 90% of this is on that train. You have to find other ways to make the, the ride seem interesting and I feel that's one way. So it's very colourful. It's almost, a, <laughs> almost like a Saturday morning cartoon feel. Um, in some ways, obviously, uh, way more violence than Saturday morning cartoon, but that kind of tone, in a sense. And then what I also thought was interesting in the way that, so we see the different assassins introduced and then we get, like, backstory. And that gives a moment to connect, like, how this character connects with each other and it sort of all pieces together. But it also, also allows us to go to a different environment. So, again, largely on this on this train, but those um, flashbacks allow us to go to different environments and like mix things up uh, in terms of like watching the viewing experience. Yeah, I, I think I think it's interesting because I think I could be wrong in in remembering this, but I feel like we get to see them interact 
before they get introduced and before they get a backstory, uh, sorry, a flashback. So like, you know, Lemon and Tangerine are debating their names. They're debating, mm. you know, we get introduced to Thomas the Tank Engine and <laughs> then we get their like introductory kind of screens. I, I Maybe I'm yeah, wrong, the, but... I think the wolf is the only one who straight, like as we see him, then straight away we, we, we cut yeah. back to Mexico and then the whole wedding and everything like that. And then we were back in the presence. But yeah, I think everyone, we see them interact and then we... Yeah. get a backstory later and i think that's such a good way an option to kind of characterize you know the the classic writing thing i was like, okay you know how were they gonna if they're gonna have a phone call with their mother what would that sound like like it might never make it into the <laughs> final script but it's like you know there's a way that certain people talk to family members or whatever that kind of really mm. define who they are and especially in, with lemon and tangerine i think that's absolutely you know it really made you like them and want to get to know more about them. Uh, the yeah. relationship between Ladybug and his handler, those were all introduced. And then you go, actually, this is, you know, this is who they are. This is Ladybug's hijinks. And this is where his quote unquote CV comes from. And I think it's a really natural way to get to know people because it's almost like people watching, right? You know, when you're like, at mm. Liverpool Street Station or whatever, and you're all watching people, and some people are rushing around. Somebody's wearing like normal clothes, but then they've got like a clown hat yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, what yeah, is going on where there? They come from? Yeah, yeah, yeah and where yeah, they're yeah. going. And and it's 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 kind of like that oh, where you're analogy. like people watching, and then you get to go. Actually, because this is a movie, we'll cut to them. Yeah. Uh, they're actually packing to do a cosplay of it at some convention <laughs> do you know what i mean like but i think it's a really nice way to fill in their character their intention their worldview without being like okay time for story time for backstory you know that is such a good way of putting it like it really is like people watching i need to like rewatch mm. it and, and i like like i like that you made your analogy train based too so of course uh, yeah, it wasn't an that. airport it was definitely yeah. a train station <laughs> Yeah, I 100% agree. And just it's just like a really nice journey that you get taken on. And like yeah. just visually stunning and everything. Did anyone have a favorite flashback, like character intro or just other visual moment? Uh, my favorite moment is the wolf moment because it does stand <laughs> out and it's so separate. And it does it feel starts. That. Yeah, and I, and I think, again, it feels really intentional. It feels like this is a backstory that's not like the other backstories. But we still see him interact. We see him turn up at, in front of uh, Ladybug's face and he looks at mm. the, the suitcase and goes, oh, you're the one. Um, <laughs> like, I think that's really fun and really clever. But also, it's it's visually, it's the only real place where A, it's daylight all the time, and B, we're outside. And it's this really nice break from claustrophobic train, uh, sterile train station, claustrophobic yeah. train, sterile train station, and then boom, you hit with this beautiful, very, very far away land. And uh, yeah, I really love those sections. I did quite like the comedy of Lemon and Tangerine deciding whether it was 17 or 18 kills. Or was oh, it 16 yeah. Or 16? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Just, that was very yeah. much fun. I really liked that. I obviously can't pick a favourite. Yes. <laughs> Naturally. Naturally, yeah. I just really enjoyed all of them. Like, <laughs> there's so many good bits. Like, and, um, you know, it was interesting what you said about Wolf. Like, Wolf obviously was really interesting as well, because I think what stood out about Wolf is like, you don't really know where that connection is straight away. Yeah. I feel like it's the one that is so loose and unknown. 
you kind of you know that the pieces are there but you're like how how does they connect because you're like was it because at first you're like was it ladybug that done it because it kind of like shows that and then you're instantly shown no he just did not do that (laughs) and then you're like so so who is i'm so confused and then yeah you kind kind of um is the one that kind of has like a a slower unravel i think and less Mm. of like obvious foreshadowing but then again the pieces are there just like they get put in the jigsaw later down the line and when you refer back to it you see how it connects yeah, exactly. Uh, they're kind of like the middle pieces, you know. You know, mm-hmm. the ones that you're like, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I know that one goes with that, that yeah, one goes yeah, that. Yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. how does it fit in with the rest of the puzzle? <laughs> yeah. well, looking at the picture, you're like, mm, I, don't, I, I still don't understand and still don't get it, but yeah, sure, if you say so. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I also like the fact that it was like halfway between comedy and drama. Like, it was really mm. like dramatic. But also, like the like way those wise. people were dying, it was yeah. like you know, you know, in Team America when they're all throwing up. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, like I didn't even think of that. Yeah, it's like it's it. it he's like, oh my it's god, ridiculous. everyone I love is yes. dying. It's like the Red Wedding, but they're also vomiting like it's a like a <laughs> American sitcom or like Team America, and it's just getting everywhere and all his clothes, and it's just yeah. Oh, it's brilliant, and obviously he's good <laughs> wine on himself, so he looks like he's. He's covered in blood, and oh yeah, I loved that. And it's also just like heartbreak, like so heartbroken. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just like the love of his life has just been mad, and he was so happy, Mm -hmm. and like life seemed to be going good for him. And then it was just like not even like just your wife; it was like you are the only person that survived what's supposed to be like one of the greatest days of your life. Tragic, yeah. so tragic, but it's delivered in such a comedic way. And um, I think the elder as well. I really oh, just yeah. enjoyed that kind of like backstory and that unraveling. Because again, that was another. I think that's another slow burn one. That the pieces are there, mm. but you're too busy trying to. You're too busy following all the other threads and all the other action to really pay that much attention. And then like. It gets brought back. Yeah, yeah. And then it, the penny just drops and you're like, oh, yeah, I completely forgot that you told us all of that. Yeah. And like, I've been so entangled in like mm. all this action and the fact that like uh, Lemon doesn't remember Ladybug. <laughs> like that bit. Yeah. Was- I just, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Hey, you shot me twice. Right? You sure you don't remember? <laughs> keeps me up. <laughs> I, I do um, feel like this is a story that is brought together by the, like, the chemistry between like the cast because i feel like obviously they're in terms of like the the story itself there are things that could be done better and sort of criticisms there but the i feel everyone works well together and everyone plays off each other for the most part pretty well makes it like a good watch like the ladybug and lemon thing even like lemon and tangerine just there oh so good i could just watch lemon and tangerine yeah. like, i could watch <laughs> a whole show based on them too i want them all to be great. in thomas the tank engine and <laughs> uh, just just deliver scathing remarks back and forth and uh yeah that's <laughs> yeah what I, I like tangerine uh that uh aaron taylor johnson like i feel like he captured that character so well he had like a i think one of the characters said it even in the films like he's got a good walk like he had a good yeah yeah good yeah because yeah, yeah. you mentioned that it being like the the chem- chemistry of of the actors and mm. i think this story is about interact it's about human interaction over everything yeah okay it's about 
it's about how people's lives affect each other. Oh yeah, and and how people. It's about it is oh, it's about the human connection. I know we we've not wait have we don't yeah we've not gone to themes yet, but no, but I've got that down in terms of like okay. everything yeah. connected. Should we talk more a bit more about the characters and then we'll we'll jump to yeah. themes um, before we oh. end? So one of I think. They're all like I, I thought the characters were great. Very again, sort of Saturday morning cartoon, and everyone gets the introduction. Uh, I like the elder. So the elder we see at the very beginning, but then comes in essentially the third act, and he kind of marks the the start of the third act where things kind of get a bit more focused, if if like crazily bombastic. But I like the the elder and the prince because the prince being the youngest character, and you know later learn that is the the daughter of of uh, White Death, but she thinks she's clever, basically. <laughs> she, she, she thinks she's clever. And I guess she is because she's got this scheme and she's putting the pieces together. But the elder has this line. It's like something like you forget. Like I've I've been through more than you and worse than you. And uh, I've just got this thing where like older characters just come and just remind younger characters that even though you're <laughs> old, like don't forget. Like I've, I know more and I've done more. So because she got this thing where to get uh, Yuchi on the train, like she's pushed his son off the roof so because he's connected to the white death she's gonna give him the booby trap briefcase and have him deliver that so she's like oh i've got your son and i've got someone watching him and if you don't do what i say he's dead if uh, i don't answer this phone he's dead and then the elder's like my grandson was pushed off of a roof do you think i've not got someone watching and then he just cuts to the hospital where he's just like he's dealt with whatever scheme she's got the person she's got watching yeah i'm just like i love that it's like don't like i've seen this before i've, I've dealt with this <laughs> like, now, I'm, not new in, I'm not new in the game yeah, like. <laughs> yeah. i've been here for a while <laughs> no i've got a, yeah i think i love that as well but i think like i think the prince is up there with like my most like enjoyable characters <laughs> because i'm not sure how old she's supposed to be but that's a good question young right really yeah. like re quite like a young teenager kind of age but um she is really smart oh yeah no she's smart. like yeah. <laughs> and it's just so fun to watch her like toy around with these grown men basically <laughs> <laughs> and just use all of the all of the cards that she's been dealt to her advantage and like to play this game but but then she's also like overconfident yes it's too clever um, for her own good yeah and uh but i just oh man i just think i just love the whole like being so like cutesy femme um even down to like the little what are they called like the little hair tie yeah the Is little it hair, hair the, it's like a clip that she puts around the gun yeah you know just like obviously she's she was it like, stated like oh yeah obviously they wanted me to be a boy and then it's like she's almost gone so i'm a do everything like stereotypically the opposite of what <laughs> mm. is commonly like masculine things it's like i'm wear all pink like yeah. in some cutesy little skirt um like with my little accessories and she's also just so calm and collected and i was like i wish i could be that <laughs> <laughs> calm and collected and like just have everything together like that and still just look 
so cute. I was like, <laughs> how'd you do it? Because I, mean, I would I like say I don't know if uh, assassinating people is probably the the, yeah. the best uh, <laughs> profession you could be idolizing. I don't know how safe it is. Um, Taz, but, uh, Seems pretty unsafe. Transferable skills. Transferable. Oh skills. yeah, there's lots of soft skills. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I will also add like the the white death being revealed as Michael Shannon. I, I just thought it was hilarious because <laughs> Michael Shannon is he's a really good actor. I don't know if, if anyone's seen um, Boardwalk Empire, mm-hmm. um, he's great in that. But he's such a serious character. So to see mm-hmm. him in this, like revealed as the white death, that was hilarious uh, for me. So Also, the Ryan Reynolds cameo. Oh. I don't know why, but the moment the film started... I was like, Ryan Reynolds is in this. Like, I don't know what it was. It does feel like that, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> the senses were tingling. I was like, I don't know when. I don't know Ryan where. Reynolds. I don't know how. Smells but like he's in this. In yeah. <laughs> and as it got, and I was like, he's in it, I swear. And as it's getting to the end, I'm like, he's definitely in it. Like, I'm still not <laughs> doubting that he's in it. If anything, it's making me think he's in it more. He is in this film. And then... <laughs> And then I was like, as we were like close, I was like, right, then it's narrowing down who he could be. And then like before they made the reveal yeah. of like the drunk thingy, the and crash. I was like, yeah, I was like, see him there. And then they show him. I was like, oh my god, I knew it, I knew it. I was just there, and I was like, who can I tell? Just I just want to tell someone I knew it. I knew it. I, knew it. I swear, yeah. It's almost like Bullet Train takes place in the Free Guy universe. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a level in that in that in that film. <laughs> that was funny because he had um connection like david leach made deadpool 2 and ryan mm-hmm. reynolds in that and then brad pitt had a very brief blinking you miss it cameo so mm-hmm. they kind of like flipped that around yeah yeah i agree with everything you both have said mm. but okay here's with the, I... the logic i just feel like with a lot of action movies, the women in these stories are always put aside. They're always given the second level of humor, whether it's dramatic uh, tokens or humor tokens or whatever tokens they end up getting. They just are never given enough to work with. Mm. And I don't know, I don't want to just be negative for negative sake, but like... <laughs> Do you I feel think- that was the case here with... I, I definitely feel like the Horner is just woefully ra- wasted. Yes. And and I think also somebody so smart to be ended so quickly after the reveal yeah. is, is, is to me just undermines, like none of the other male protagonists get undermined in such an immediate way. Yeah. And the fact that her way of killing is poison, sure, thematically, woman uses poison, historically accurate if you want to use that as a theme fine but the fact that she gets literally killed by accident i just don't <laughs> and i just by don't her love own that by her own thing like yeah. to me that doesn't make sense because i know she has an antidote but i feel like working with this same particular poison you would figure out a way to have just antibodies like yeah. you need or do the, uh, is it princess um the uh princess diaries where, where he's like taking poison a little bit every oh, single day yeah, so yeah, he's yeah. like yeah. uh you know what i mean like there's just yeah I just, like, you think yeah just, she would have dealt with that better that was the one bit that i was like nah i don't believe such a skilled assassin would die so 
so easily. Yeah. And and I do remember feeling really disappointed that it was like it was the the one like woman mm. that mm. got because like Prince isn't even a, an assassin. They're just mob boss's daughter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unloved yeah, sure. daughter. Yeah, that's just like yeah. picked up some skills along the way. Is a trained and like they are like an assassin, and they just she just dies, and it's just in such a basically basically within the same like ten minute segment. Yeah, and Sassy Beats is so good. Yeah, and and this happens in uh, Deadpool two as well. She's she's there until she's no longer needed by the story, and then she gets put away in a closet and never looked at ever again. I'm like, oh, she's so good. This character's so good. Mm. Yeah, and I, it's it's a shame that I think it's, it's a little more cast. There's always going to be people who are going to be in the spotlight and then not in the spotlight. And I think it's a shame that I think we focus very much on Prince and her being very femme. Um, obviously, that's that's a point of comedy. I, you know, the fact that Tangerine sees straight through it, I think is an interesting is an interesting thing. Mm. But again, like it just it doesn't play to the female characters. The point of those female characters are really, really poignant. And yet they, they, they basically get shuffled around for plot in a way that the other characters push the plot forward. If, you, if, right. if that makes sense. Yeah that kind of agency yeah yeah i get that um just gonna say um sandra bullock's character the handler i don't know what her character's name is i think that's the one that i oh, she's consistently there but just not quite there um mm-hmm. <laughs> i think that's the one redeem well actually no i think the princess is a really good character anyway but i really liked her character as well the handler. unseen character, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we get to see her at the end, but um, and obviously you straight away recognise her voice. Even I did, and I'm terrible recognising people's voices. <laughs> yeah, I'd like. I wasn't expecting us to actually see her. I guess and just Me how. Neither. I mean, in fact, like I was talking about how the prince is put together, the handler, and not just put together for herself, but put together for Ladybug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We all need a, a handler in our lives, really, don't yeah, we? Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's very useful. Man. And I just, oh, when our car gets destroyed. Destroy, yeah. Brilliant. Boy. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do these themes before we wrap. So, I mean, we mentioned this already, kind of, there, there are things being said, just maybe at a relatively shallow level, but there are things being said. So we have mm. the, the very obvious theme of fate, even with the, the setting being in the train, going to a particular destination that cannot be changed but then from a character perspective you have what you eventually find is the white death being resentful of, of his fate and proving that he can control things so he's set up this whole thing to get everyone on the train because in some way they've always been responsible for the death of his wife and then we've got ladybug so this is the protagonist antagonist relationship where it's kind of the opposite he's sort of reformed he's sort of letting go he's quite um zen and there is i guess a maybe not a direct conflict until the very end but there is a in terms of the way the characters are that kind of conflict between being what in ultimate control of of fate and just like i'm just gonna go with it so we, we got that had some elements of luck with prince mentioning uh she has good luck ladybug thinking or he seems to be a just bad luck for everyone around him because even though he wants to avoid killing people he seems to be really good at killing people and i think there was a mention of the elder says like he draws all the 
the bad luck to him or something like mm-hmm. that, um, mm-hmm. which is quite interesting and if not damning uh, assessment of him. And then the one that Tazzy mentioned about like things being connected because everyone everyone's connected to each other. And yeah, I like what Tazzy said. You put that in a good way about the what? What did you say that the human the human, human connection con- there you go human connection yeah I like that yeah just because it's not just about how they're like connected in terms of the things that's happened it's also the emotions they have felt and how they interact with each other yeah whether they know it or not yeah well. and then because i think there's points where a few like different characters um find that they have different things in common with each other and i think is it um ladybug and one of the twins tangerine i think that say like they could have been friends in a yeah yeah and you kind of see it it's like the way they're mm. they're like interacting you're like you two would actually get on great <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah definitely so i i did like that as well that was kind of maybe a relatively less subtle thing but it's a nice kind of everyone yeah, everyone impacts everyone else's lives. I feel that's a good message to to take away. So, any final thoughts? Favorite moments, even there are some things that we haven't spoken about. But does anyone have any favorite uh, scenes from the film? Favorite moments? Favorite lines? Uh, or any final thoughts on uh, Bullet Train? Any final puns as well? We we've got a bit of time. We can get Ooh. those out too. <laughs> um. The the only thing I was sorry, I just wanted to add to kind of the theme section. Oh, sure, go ahead. Um, this is going to be a hard pitch, so let me know if if this doesn't land. <laughs> but I think the White Death represents hustle culture, and I think Ooh. Ladybug is actually the true entrepreneur because yes, hustle culture is so huh. much about grabbing and wrestling control of, of the water that rushes by and Ladybug is against that toxic masculinity is open, is in therapy and is has as and because of that the world kind of morphs around him whereas you know the white death is, is, is grasping at petals in the wind and it's just not working out <laughs> and I think that what David Leach is saying is hey stop listening to those podcasts Come and listen to this one instead, where we can talk about our feelings. Specifically this one. Specifically this one. Yeah, I see point. that. Yeah, yeah. I have Immediately. not considered that. Not considered yeah, because Ladybug's just like so chill. Obviously, yeah. he's clearly not been like that all the time. This is something no. that's... That of course. Is, it's a learned behaviour, yeah. yeah. No, definitely. I agree. I agree, yeah. I don't think you're... No, that's, that's too pretty... much of a strap. I think no, that's, that's right on the cool. tracks. Right hey, track. yeah. hey, there <laughs> <laughs> do you know what this is a really maybe a cheesy one but i really like the scene where uh tangerine is fighting with ladybug in mm. the food carts preparation area <laughs> yeah 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 it's exactly what i thought it would be but i still couldn't help smiling Mm-hmm. It was very well done. With the whole thing so was the, a particular moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The train house. Is that what they're called? Yeah, the uh, attendant house. Oh, the attendant, yeah. yeah. I'm thinking of like an aeroplane. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the attendant's yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah. then just like, 
Yeah, and they just like stop yeah. and then <laughs> and just... the, the the bottle of water as well. And he's like, oh, oh, I don't have so money good. on here. <laughs> yeah. That whole yeah. secret. Oh, beautiful. Love yeah, it. And, and the fact that like it just goes up. Like you think it's gonna end, and then nope, no, she's got to get some crisps from here, yeah. <laughs> and then actually no, she's got to go do this, and actually no, and he doesn't have the money to pay. Yet. He doesn't yeah. have the money to pay. And also, <laughs> like, why are you in the food carriage? Yeah, yeah. And she hasn't brought that up, but she's too polite to. And I love that. It's just like, uh, is there anything else you guys want? And like, no, no, just blood everywhere. No, we're good. Yeah. Uh, what about you guys? I Obviously, it's not my favourite. It's just a moment that we haven't <laughs> mentioned. <laughs> but it's when Wolf uh, gets killed. Oh, that... oh and then, yeah. <laughs> and then Ladybug, like... Does the whole like props him up and has the setup and then is like oh, talking yeah, to him. Yeah. Like, you know, what's your story? Oh, and then just like, even though he's just a corpse for so much yeah. of the film, <laughs> somehow still plays such an important <laughs> role. Oh yeah, definitely. I also thought that scene, you know, when when he set him down and was pretending he was gonna be dead, I was like, okay, that's two dead characters pretending to be alive. Hmm. Where is this? Is this gonna movie gonna be about that? Nope. We just move on from it. We do some yeah. other weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's like, we're just gonna do this up. twice, and that's yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of this train, there's. It, it doesn't matter. Those two dead bodies are still on that train, <laughs> but they just <laughs> yeah, say it's not important point. now, and uh, it's a lot of setup for something that I think. Uh, yeah, it's. I think it's a really nice payoff. Yeah. Yeah, I think. what well, I've already mentioned this, but one of my favorite payoffs was the diesel sticker on oh. the prince i just i just really like that that moment it just felt so it just feels so meaningful like a mm. as a payoff that's why this film is so fun it just has so <laughs> many well delivered payoffs it's like that bit of a game in a free-to-play game where you've just started and you spin <laughs> And it's like the gut, it's the gotcha and it, you spin it and you win every time because it's the beginning yeah, of the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're trying is. to hook you in. And this, this film is that, like, it's that, yeah, mm. you could never have a, you could never have a sequel to this or anything because. Hopefully not. Hopefully they, this, this is what oh. it is. And it's yeah. like, that, yeah. that would be uh, I mean, uncomfortable. You know, like it, Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So, oh, and then last thing I'll mention is like uh, the music because you had, um, the Japanese cover of uh, Staying Alive by the Bee Gees, yeah. which works. <laughs> that works. <laughs> that was yeah. cool. That was cool. Yeah. So did like that as well. So yeah, that is our discussion on Bullet Train. We've still got a bit of time, so maybe some, some more puns in there. But let us know what you think. Did you like the film? Did you think it was imbecilic and uh, did not deserve to be in existence? Let us know. Uh, what was your favorite bit? Uh, and all that you can send us an email jump in our discord or shout us on social media uh, before we wrap for this episode it is time for this week's storytelling tip each time we do a deep dive on a podcast i like to pull out a storytelling tip for others to consider when making their stories so this is a consideration from someone who also creates stories and likes to learn from the techniques or mistakes of others uh, so for this week i wanted to mention uh well the tip is about setting up your story's third act uh, which got me thinking as i was watching this film because bullet train is a film with a lot going on so a lot of characters a lot of conflicting motivations uh over the length of the film but what i found interesting is even in this 
kind of complex plot, we still see everything come together for the third act in some way. Um, so thinking about like the three act structure, which is a narrative framework that divides your story into three parts. So there are many ways to structure a story, but a base, at a basic level, it can largely be boiled down to three separate parts, each with their own distinct purpose. So you have the first act, which sets up the protagonist's problem and makes it clear what they have to do take action whether they want to or not so in this case we see a reformed ladybug start a story wanting a simple job that doesn't involve killing anyone and then wants to get off the train in peace the second act or act two of your your three parts will show how the protagonist repeatedly tries and fails to solve their problem as more obstacles arise so in bullet train we see more assassins join the train uh, each one with some kind of grudge as well as uh, seeing the mystery of the briefcase becoming more and more complex and in the final act we see the protagonist uh, will usually most of the time overcome the odds and achieve their goal or not, depending on how you want your story to go. So in this case, we see Ladybug decide to join a fight against White Death and eventually come out on top. So let's focus on that third act, because even with the chaos of a story like Bullet Train, the fundamentals of the three-act structure are still in play. So we have the third act of a story, which is where the protagonist overcomes most of the problems that we saw in the second act and is now faced with the goal and some new learning. So the third act leads us to a resolution. And I've spoken about third acts that have been done well back on episode number 48, where we covered Captain America's Civil War. So this was the third act that I felt went beyond the simple CGI comic book boss battle trap that a lot of those films fall into and had something that was meaningful and personal. So even with all the superheroes, the third act strips all that down and we get Tony, Steve, Bucky and our villain, uh, Helmet Zemo. So the environment also becomes more restricted as the four characters work through their very personal issues with each other. And we get resolutions, even if there's a messy one that has uh, long-standing implications for the Avengers going forward. So the third act can be the most difficult act as you need to bring things together to an exciting resolution that brings the story to a close and satisfies the character arcs and ties into the theme of the story if there is one, which I think there should be. Um, so I've also talked about Wonder Woman, which I feel it was let down by its third act. So that was a story that spent time setting up the protagonist, Diana, as having a particular worldview, but falls short of truly challenging it in favor of the aforementioned messy CGI boss battle. So here in Bullet Train, the third act reintroduces us to the Elder. So we meet him in the very first scene of the film. And although we do learn more about him and his motivations, he's not a new character. So by this point of the film, we're seeing the cast thin out. So characters are killed off and the White Death even explains how he's bought all the tickets on the train, which conveniently explains why it becomes so empty uh, the further on we go. And it means we are left to focus on what is important. So we get a better sense of character motivations and are, relatively speaking, laser focused on a showdown in Kyoto. So the ending of Bullet Train does get a bit cartoony uh, even more cartoony than what went before but the fundamentals of setting up your third act are there so here are four things to think about when crafting your third act of your story so number one is use the first act to properly set up your protagonist's goals so you want your audience to know what your protagonist has to do in order for their goal to be achieved so we need to be clear on what they want and what's in the way of them getting it so in bullet train we see 
time taken to make sure we understand what Ladybug wants, that he's changed. And we see that even in the example of him deciding not to take a gun on the train. So this serves us later because we know what his goal is. And it also makes it funny when we see people comically dying around him despite his uh, non-violent turn in life. Number two is use the second act to introduce new characters and deepen the conflict. So remember to keep it in relation to your protagonist and their goals though. So we do see lots of new characters being added throughout the second act and it does get complex on some level but all the assassins are still related to ladybug in some way whether historically like the wolf or lemon and tangerine or in the present with the prince and the hornet going after the same briefcase and generally making things difficult for ladybug uh, number three is get focused and stay focused pretty much so if the second act is about opening up the story that final act is about bringing it bringing it all together to a single point. So you often see things in this act become a lot more narrow, and that means no new characters, no new problems. So the narrowing could be physically in regards to the environment becoming more restricted, or here with Bullet Train, which already has a restricted environment with its characters. So we see a big reduction in the cast by the time the Elder arrives on the train. Uh, and number four, last one, is having protagonist actions that remain true to their character. So the story always lives and dies by the character that your audience connects with. So not only does the character need to have a full arc that is resolved by the end of the story, but how they get there is important too. And that needs to be uh, made clear and make sense for their character. Uh, so Ladybug remains pretty consistent throughout this film. So even though he does even reluctantly get some focus and join the fight against the White Death, is actually the Elder who leads things. And this ties with his character because Ladybug is not necessarily a leader personality so he can still have purpose while be also remaining that affable character that we've been identifying with up until now and that's your tip for episode 115 let us know what you think uh, about this week's story 10 tip in our discord or you can always send us an email to feedback at mayamada.com um so before we wrap tazzy let's check in with our guest <laughs> If you listen to the podcast, you'll know that we like to get a little bit more information about our guests and hear about any projects or latest news that they've got going on. Uh, so Mark, would you like to tell us a bit more about yourself and uh, if there's any projects or anything you want to highlight? Oh, yeah, thank you. Um, so um, I am a writer and uh, earlier this year I published an article in the Journal of Creative Pursuit. It's a story that I think really is important to me in terms of race. Basically, it, I've lived in Shoreditch for a very, very long time. My parents moved here when I was very young, and it's obviously changed quite a lot. And I think when people talk about gentrification, they always talk about what came after, you know, the coffee shops and the nightclubs. And they don't necessarily always talk about um, what came before. And I think um, Kingsland Road has always had a very important story and, and, and Asian history. Um, a lot of uh, Vietnamese and Chinese uh, immigrants settled um, in this area. And it's basically an article where I interview a bunch of business owners, restaurant owners um, along that strip, uh, how they feel things have changed, how I've perceived things have changed. I also have photos of uh, the street which I took myself, one with a digital camera and the other with the same camera my grandmother 
um, had and documented her basically her entire refugee journey when she came to this country. And so there's a really nice contrast between the, the modern space and the nostalgic lens. And I'm also a Twitch streamer as well. So I play games on Tuesdays and Fridays over at twitch.tv slash pretendosaur. And currently, if you're listening to this in September, we are currently raising money for the Abortion Support Network. So, um, yeah, if you like video games, if you like first-person shooters, multiverses, I know you guys played that last month, playing yeah. a lot of that recently. And, uh, yeah, that's been really fun. But this month, we're playing games with all either female protagonists or female presenting uh, characters, if it's like a multiverses kind of game. And, uh, yeah, come on down. Hey, um... Both sound like some really great projects that you got going on. So we'll make sure we pop some links in the show notes so that you can you can find Mark and um, all the wonderful things that they're doing. Thank you for being on the show as well uh, on the podcast. Thank you. I was uh, so excited because we literally, as uh, some listeners may not know, we literally agreed to do this at 2 a.m. In, in a casino. <laughs> <laughs> and in I wasn't Birmingham. sure if you were serious. <laughs> But I did listen to the podcast anyway, and then I was going to go like, oh, yeah, you know, hey, you know, if you still want to do it, hey. And then Nigel emailed me. I was like, oh, thank God, they actually meant it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's been even more fun to uh, be on it. And uh, you guys are lovely. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been a really uh, stimulating discussion. No, we appreciate yeah. that. And, uh, yeah, we are very serious with our invites. If we, uh, we say we want people on, come on, we always want to have interesting conversations with different people and people will yeah. bring different perspectives on as well. So I think you yeah. like raise a lot of good points uh, over the discussion. If anyone's listening that we've said like, oh, do you want to be on a podcast? And we've like, I don't know, like lost your email address. Do email us. Don't yeah, think yeah. about <laughs> it. Just send the email. <laughs> Even if we haven't invited you on yet, but you think <laughs> like you might want to come on, just pop us an email and we can, we can have a look into getting you on the podcast as a guest if you have any train puns as well send them through because we ran out pretty quickly (laughs) yes definitely got that Uh, i need to go and watch some thomas the tank engine again (laughs) find out about life but um before i do that let me wrap this up so if you've enjoyed this episode of story x story do make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating and review wherever you can do that because that helps us reach new listeners and fans of story discussions direct link sharing is good too any way we can spread the word of the podcast get more people listening and get more people on as well and don't forget to check out our own stories on the my matter website so we have a number of titles available including the latest series through the fog at myamada.com forward slash manga uh, and we have uh, a couple uh, manga titles to come before the end of the year or thereabouts let me not put a a solid day on that because uh things can shift but we've got a new manga uh we're working on all the time uh, and make sure you join our studio 77 discord um join the community and check out the studio 77 membership for exclusive access to gamepad events like our uh, live stream games nights uh, and content from the maya matter universe uh, and if you haven't already definitely check out the do i look like a gamer video game representation campaign which is live you can see that at look like a gamer com and the campaign is there so future generations of talent will know that there's a place for them in video games we want to empower future generations to be an active part of shaping the video games industry so we still got plans in store we've got an event to come uh, we've got plans for next year too uh, so you can check out the website see the photo campaign that we launched the 2022 initiative with 
and then keep an eye out for news on the campaign events and how to get involved in future. As for the podcast, we release new episodes on Thursdays and those include creator interviews, video game discussions and deep dives into stories across pop culture like this one. Uh, you can always give us a shout directly. Our email address is feedback at myamada.com and our website with links to subscribe is myamada.com forward slash story x story. Uh, so thank you all for tuning in. Uh, until next time, stay safe and remember that train drivers make great criminals because they know how to cover their tracks. Take care, everyone. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs>